1: Okay. Diving, diving deep, deep,
0: deep, deep, diving deep into all things Texas. Both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast And Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General Sean McClain. <laughs> welcome, welcome
1: <laughs> to Utopia Um so um, so we'll dig more into the Broncos game a little later on this week when we do our six-pack preview episode on Thursday. We're going to do some mailbag stuff here in just a little bit. But, John, before we do that, on Tuesday, we always do general news and notes. What do you got for us?
0: Got a couple on Stroud before we talk about it. Uh, number one, he's the first rookie quarterback in history, throw for at least 300 yards in four consecutive games. He's got six overall. The record is Justin Herbert with eight. his 304 yards Sunday uh, moved him past Herbert for the most yards by quarterback in his first 11 games. Now he's got a chance to overtake Patrick Mahomes. And the other one is he and and Tank Dell, as we know, they've become a prolific duo, not just a prolific rookie duo. But they're the first rookie tandem since the Colts in 2012 to have at least seven touchdown connections. And that was Andrew Luck. And T. Y. Hilton, so those mm-hmm. two got it on, got it going on, just like Stroud does.
1: Yeah, this this has been. We have i I don't want to hijack a mail. We have a really good mailbag question about this rookie class. um What do you think the ceiling is for Tank Dell, John? Is he a? Is he a like a? I know he's not a classic number one receiver just because of his size. You know, he's not the prototype. He's not what you would concoct in a lab, but. Neither was Antonio Brown. He was a smaller guy, and he reached the stage of his career where he was getting 100 catches every year. What is Tank Dell, do you think, John? You've watched decades and decades of football. What, what, what do you think his ceiling is?
0: I think uh, size got, ain't got nothing to do with it. I think he's making great leaping catches. The key is, can he stay healthy at his size? Yeah. You know, It always bothers me. The Texans list him at 5'10", and he's 5'8", unless he grew two inches between – the combine where he was 5'8", 165. Everybody keeps talking about his great speed. He didn't have great speed. He ran a 4.49 at the combine. He has great quickness. He's smart. He can stop and start on the dime. He can make quick cuts, but his speed's not great speed. Great speed was what Will Fuller had, but he knows how to use it. Man, those acrobatic catches he's made, like the one Sunday, in which a 62-yarder got rubbed out because of an illegal shift that he was called on. But uh, I think Tank Dell, depending on who they have on the outside, say they have Nico back, Noah Brown back, they're going to distribute the ball, which is one of the things that Stroud does so well. He doesn't just zero in on one guy. Yeah. And I think for that reason, you're not going to see Tank getting 100 catches, but you can certainly see him being one of the most – dangerous weapons in the NFL because he do so many things, line up so many places and trying to grab him is like trying to grab a lightning ball bug is hard.
1: Yeah. He had that catch on Sunday, John, where his legs were getting swept out from underneath him as he was catching the ball over the middle too. He's, he's an amazing young player. No doubt about it. What do you got next?
0: The, uh, the Broncos right now, they and this is something that hadn't been it wasn't an issue Sunday, but it was in the two previous games when when uh, Stroud had six turnovers. But the Broncos lead the lead with 22 takeaways, and they've had 15 in their last four games, which is the main reason they're they're winning five in a row. And I thought it's very interesting in their five game winning streak, they've given up eight touchdowns. They gave up 10 in that 70-20 <laughs> yeah, loss to Miami when they began 0-3. And in the first six games, they gave up 36.2 points a game. In the last six, 16.5. But I think any defense the Texans goes up against, whether it's Denver, Cleveland, Indy, anybody, they're going to be able to move the ball and score points because of Stroud and because of his receivers. Even Sunday, when he was pressured on 60% of his dropbacks and had to throw a lot on the run, Sean, he threw for over 300 yards, two touchdowns, ran for one, ran for a season high. Teams got to see him doing things he hadn't been doing before, and they can score on anybody, and that sets up very well for the game coming up Sunday.
1: And it's, John, the incredible thing, he does this with no running game. He was the running game on Sunday. Like, he had six six scrambles for 47 – well, five scrambles, and then the one – the touchdown looked like a designed run of some sort where they had Andrew Beck faking, jumping over the top, which if you fell for that, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, uh, who were they playing? Jacksonville. I mean, you're falling for Andrew Beck. Well, if anybody's
0: going to fall for Andrew Beck, it's Jacksonville.
1: Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, right. After the kickoff return earlier this year, for sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, those are those are some those are some good Stroud numbers. What else you got, John? That's it. That's it. Those are the general news and notes. The That's C. general Stroud news and additions. notes.
0: Eight of them, and uh, and I'm glad they're good because if this was last year, or the year before, or the year before, they would all be negative.
1: Yeah, they would be bad. They would be bad. By the way, um, for those wondering, I mentioned CJ Stroud <clears throat> off the board for offensive rookie of the year. Um, the Texans are twelfth on the Super Bowl odds board right now, John. They are they are twelfth at sixty six to one. Um, they are seven to one to win the AFC South. So that ga- that game Sunday was very damaging to their chances of winning the division. They're two back of the Jags. Uh, Jags are eight and three. Texans are six and five. But the Jaguars tiebreaker they they line up to do much better in the tiebreakers than the Texans do. They're one and one against each other. But the Jags have already played five of their six divisional games they're four and one in the division the Texans are one and two so the best they can do is have the same record in the division which would then make the tiebreaker common opponents and I think the Jags are kind of cleaning up there too because two of their losses two of their three losses are to uh, Kansas City and San Francisco who the Texans do not play so they're and their other losses to the Texans so they're they're undefeated basically against common opponents that the two teams have. So they kiss
0: that division title goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. I Sunday. think
1: you, you, you literally, you've got to, you're two back, but you have to pick up three games to win the division. It's not happy. Even with this easy schedule, the Texans have, the Jags play a lot of these same teams. And, and you know what's really screwing the Texans now, John, before we get to the mailbag here? Joe Burrow's injury. I don't know if you've looked at this, but the four teams the Texans are chasing right now, the Jags in the division, and then the three wildcard teams, Cleveland, Pittsburgh. And Indianapolis, I may have that order. I may have that out of order. I think it was Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Indianapolis, 5-6-7. All four of those teams play Cincinnati with Jake Browning a quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> <talking> about a joker Yeah, Yeah, so um, it's, that's the way it works in the NFL. Sometimes you get some good injury luck. Sometimes you get some bad injury Shot, luck. But that, I
0: believe this, mm-hmm. that if the Texans don't make the playoffs – instead of going on the road. Now, on the road, they've proved they can play on the road. But if they go on the road and lose, I don't think fans are going to be any more fired up about a team that loses on a wild card or a team that wins 9 or 10 and loses on a the tiebreaker. They're going to be so pumped about next season.
1: Oh, yeah. People will – they'll be chomping at the bit for next season to uh, to get here for sure. I, I was looking at another number, John, because I get people asking me, it's like, all right, well, how, my, how many games do they need to win to get – do you think? Like, what's the record need to be? Um, Mike Sando had this in the Athletic. Since they went to seven teams in each conference, every team that's won eleven games has made the postseason. So if you get to eleven and six, history, recent history tells us you're going to make the postseason. I think out of eight teams that have finished ten and seven, one missed the postseason. So eighty-eight percent at ten and seven have made the postseason, and then it starts to get murkier at nine and eight. And the nine and eight, you start to get some division winners in there. That that won bad divisions. That's obviously not going to be the case with the AFC South. Jacksonville's probably going to finish with, I would imagine, at least eleven or twelve wins. But if you get to double digit wins, you're you're in all likelihood you're in. Uh, so that's what I would tell Utopia Podcast. Listeners. You know what's
0: kind of scary is two games we thought they were going to be extra tough: Cleveland with Deshaun Watson, Jets with Aaron Rodgers. They're still going to be tough because both defenses are great and both defensive lines are great, and the Texans' offensive line was terrible against the Jaguars, and the Jaguars have one great defensive lineman, Josh Allen, and yet they still worked them over. And I'm still convinced that D'Amico Ryans did not want to trust the protection on fourth and 12th uh, with 30 seconds left, and that's why he went for the field goal because the offensive line had been getting abused. Uh, Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen and they better they better play better against the Broncos who have a good defensive front But then they got the Jets and the Jets have a great defense.
1: Yep, good point, good point